This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Primary ciliary dyskinesia is a rare genetic disease that arises from structural defects or the absence of the cilia lining of the respiratory tract. This leads to mucus littered with trapped microbes, dust, and other debris getting caught in the airways, which can lead to permanent lung damage. Ethris is developing an inhaled mRNA therapy to get the body to produce a needed structural protein to restore normal cilia structure and function. We spoke to Thomas Langenickel, Chief Medical Officer of Ethris, about how the company's technology overcomes existing challenges for the therapeutic use of mRNA, its ability to deliver treatments directly to the lung, and its pipeline of therapies in development. Thomas, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about mRNA, Ethris, and its efforts to develop new mRNA medicines. With the emergence of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, mRNA moved into the popular mind, but perhaps you can begin with the technology itself and how it can be used for both vaccines and therapeutics. Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, messenger RNA or mRNA is a, a single-stranded RNA that is important for protein synthesis. mRNA is synthesized in the nucleus of each cell from a DNA template in a process called uh, transcription. The mRNA is then exported from the nucleus of the cell into the cytoplasm, where the mRNA serves as a template itself for protein synthesis. So in that context, the mRNA carries the information that is stored in the DNA from the nucleus of the cell to the cytoplasm where protein synthesis occurs. So with, with that critical biological role in mind, we can now utilize synthetically engineered mRNA to have cells produce any protein that is encoded by the mRNA. In the case of a vaccine, this is a specific viral antigen that is presented to the immune system and results in a protective antiviral immune response. But we can also use mRNA to have cells replace any missing or dysfunctional protein or produce any other therapeutic protein ranging from proteins that are released from the transfected cells to exert their biological effect 
all the way to structural intracellular proteins. So while the field made significant progress uh, through the development of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, I believe there is even a larger potential for the development of novel mRNA-based uh, therapeutics targeting conditions with a high unmet medical need. What are the challenges of developing and delivering mRNA therapies today? Well, from, from my perspective, there are two major limitations with current mRNA medicines, which are stability and undesired biodistribution. So let me explain these, uh, these two. Um, current mRNA medicines require ultra-cold storage and distribution, yeah, which results in challenges during manufacturing, distribution, and handling of the drug product. According to the WHO, approximately 50% of vaccines, mRNA and other modalities taken together are wasted every year, yeah, partially due to short shelf life and instability. And you can imagine that this translates to a substantial multi-billion dollar annual loss from vaccines exposed to inappropriate temperatures. In addition, currently available LNPs tend to aggregate, fuse, or show leakage of mRNA following mechanical manipulation, yeah, as simple as shaking the vial or flipping the syringe. And this is um, a largely under-recognized uh, problem and also presents significant challenges during manufacturing, but also during distribution and during handling by healthcare professionals and may translate into loss of potency of the, of the drug product. As to undesired biodistribution, we know that currently available mRNA vaccines are systemically bioavailable and up to 20% of the vaccine dose can be found in systemic circulation. Most of the systemically available drug product is distributing then into liver and spleen. While the uh, available mRNA vaccines have a favorable safety benefit profile, it is certainly highly desirable to avoid biodistribution of the drug product beyond the target tissue, in particular for indications where systemic bioavailability of a locally administered drug product does not contribute to efficacy. Etheris has developed a, a suite of platform technologies. This includes its SNM mRNA and SNAP lipide nanoparticle. I'd like to walk through those. Let's start with the SNM RNA platform. How does this work? Yeah, uh, SNM, which uh, stands for Stabilized Non-Immunogenic um, uh, RNA, SNM RNA describes modifications that Atheris has invented to reduce recognition of the mRNA by the immune system. Yeah, and at the same time to increase the stability and potency of the mRNA. Specifically, during the synthesis of the mRNA, we are replacing a small fraction of two of the four nucleotides contained within mRNA with modified nucleotides that can also be found in nature. This means that in contrast to available mRNA vaccines, we only partially modify the mRNA, resulting in a reduction of immune recognition that is really comparable to marketed vaccines. In addition, we are utilizing uh, other uh, elements such as optimized sequence elements uh, the so-called uh, in the so-called untranslated regions of the uh, mRNA. And 
are chemical modifications that are made to mRNA unique to the nucleotide sequence or the cell types to which it's being delivered? No, that's actually not the case. So we found that modifications that we are using in our SNM RNA result in a very effective drug product, regardless of the drug target and regardless of the cell types that are transfected. One of the concerns with this is that you can produce an immune response. How does this prevent that from happening? Yeah, mo modifications of the nucleotides, yeah, whether it's uh, the uh, modification scheme that is used in currently available vaccines or our modification scheme result in a change of the overall pattern yeah, of the mRNA molecule such that the mRNA is no longer recognized as a foreign molecule by so-called pattern recognition receptors. Yeah, these are toll-like receptors and RIG-I. And these receptors uh, typically recognize foreign mRNA. Yeah, that's their function in our body. For example, following infection with an RNA virus. Yeah, and then subsequently mediate a very broad immune activation. And this can be avoided or largely minimized by the use of modified nucleotides. You've got a, a, a broad pipeline that's targeting diseases of the central nervous system, of, of the bone, of the heart. How able are you to deliver mRNA to different tissues and cells throughout the body? Yeah, so we are able to uh, target organs of interest with our technologies, with our SNM and SNAP technology, uh, actually without further modification, Yeah, regardless of, uh, of the tissue we, we are targeting. And the reason for that is largely related to the fact that we can deliver through multiple routes of administration. Yeah. Um, for example, in heart disease, we can deliver directly into the heart through catheter-based injection into the coronary arteries or the heart tissue itself. Yeah? Our programs targeting neurological disorders rely on mRNA-based reprogramming of stem cells ex vivo. For bone programs, we have been able to develop a collagen matrix that is loaded with our LMP formulated mRNA drug product and that can be placed into critical bone defects to stimulate bone healing. Yeah, For the treatment of tendon rupture, for example, we again rely on direct injection of our LMP formulated uh, mRNA. So this shows you that our LMP platform is actually very versatile yeah, and can be utilized across uh, therapeutic areas. Ethris is pursuing a, a dual strategy of sorts with regards to its pipeline. It's developing programs in rare diseases that are wholly owned and, and looking to partner for indications that are more common. Can, can you talk a little about your approach to this? Um, yes. Um, as far as our partnering strategy goes, we plan to wholly own the rare lung disease pipeline, yeah, which includes um, 
primary ciliary dyskinesia and uh, pulmonary alveolar proteinosis through product development, marketing authorization and uh, sales. And this is an area where we have done the work to build a footprint within the rare disease patient communities and the KOL networks to support the development and launch of these programs. Beyond the footprint we are building in rare lung disease, our technology enables other partners for new drug development. To advance therapies for larger indications, uh, such as our ETH 47 program you mentioned, we are pursuing strategic partnerships with uh, global partners that have already a big footprint to commercialize. We do see a big niche and uh, the potential for our technology to improve RNA-based uh, therapeutics and vaccines in several indications through partnerships. And one example is our collaboration we recently announced with uh, Hackwit, where we are utilizing our uh, SNAP LMP platform to administer non-coding RNAs for heart tissue regeneration. This application of our technology really highlights its extensive applications. Your technology, uh, as you alluded to, has you can deliver this through inhalation. Uh, your, your lead indications in, in rare disease are inhaled therapies. How does how does it work delivering mRNA through the lungs? Yeah, that's that's a good question, Danny. Inhaled delivery of LMP formulated mRNA is technically um, very challenging. Um, and I mentioned earlier that uh, substantial stability of the formulation is required to enable uh, inhaled uh, drug administration. During nebulization of liquid formulations, and we would use them to administer mRNA drugs, the formulation is typically exposed to substantial shear stress and high temperatures. This results in substantial particle aggregation with formation of LMP clusters that are um, more than tenfold larger than single LMPs when using commercially available formulations. And this in turn results in devices getting clogged very rapidly and may also impact potency of the drug product. With our um, SNAP LMP platform and the formulation that we have at hand, we have uh, solved this problem. Our LMP formulation does not aggregate and is rapidly nebulizable without loss in potency. And in addition, uh, characterization of the droplet sizes following generation of an aerosol showed that the droplet size distribution that we are getting supports the distribution in the airways that is desired for our drug candidates ETH-47 and um, ETH-42. Your lead indication within the, the rare disease space is for primary ciliary dyskinesia or PCD. For people not familiar with this, can you explain what it is? Yeah, primary ciliary dyskinesia or PCD is a, is a rare genetically heterogeneous disorders and primarily characterized by situs abnormalities and respiratory disease. In the United States, we estimate that approximately 80 to 100,000 people are affected by uh, PCD. To date, uh, disease-causing mutations have been identified in over 50 genes, which encode proteins that are important for the formation and function of motile cilia and respiratory epithelial cells. 
these genetic mutations result in dysfunction of motile respiratory cilia. And as a result, clearance from the upper as well as lower respiratory tract of mucus, cell debris, and foreign material that we constantly inhale is severely impaired. And how does the condition manifest itself and progress? So PCD may manifest itself already in children short, uh, shortly after birth who may suffer from neonatal respiratory distress that requires administration of oxygen. Upper respiratory symptoms typically include constantly running or stuffed nose and frequent or chronic infections of paranasal sinuses and the middle ear that may result in hearing impairment then later in life. Lower respiratory symptoms include chronic productive cough, shortness of breath, frequent lung infection, sometimes with pathogens such as Pseudomonas aeruginosa that is very difficult to eradicate with antibiotic treatment. Chronic airway inflammation that we see in the patients and frequent lung infections often result also in structural lung damages such as bronchiectasis and a reduction in lung function. What treatment options exist today for the condition and what's the prognosis for someone who's diagnosed with it? So there are currently no approved treatments for PCD available. And patients typically receive symptomatic treatment to reduce mucus burden in the upper and lower respiratory tract, such as mucolytics um, that are administered through inhalation and also physiotherapy. And acute and chronic infections are typically treated with uh, antibiotics, either short-term or longer-term. Late-stage disease may even result then in structural lung damage and reduced lung functions at a severity that uh, requires lung transplantation. Well, what is ETH42 and how does it work? So ETH42 is a drug candidate for inhaled administration based on Atris's platform technology in which the mRNA encodes a protein called uh, CCDC40. CCDC40 is a structural ciliary protein and not present in people with PCD based on mutations in the CCDC40 gene. And we are using our platform to replace the missing protein in respiratory epithelial cells with the goal to restore cilia structure and functions in people with uh, CCDC40 uh, mutations. We have selected CCDC40 as our first uh, PCD target because mutations in this particular gene are typically associated with a high burden of disease. And so far, we have been able to demonstrate in preclinical models of cilia dysfunction that ETH42 is able to really restore cilia structure and uh, cilia function. You have two other experimental therapies in development for the indication. Are these for different mutations or are you looking for the best of the three? No, these are indeed for different mutations. So ETH43 and 44 encode different ciliary proteins than ETH42. Yeah, and therefore target a very different PCD subpopulation. Uh, and as I uh, mentioned earlier, we know of 50 genes that are associated with uh, PCD. The versatility of our mRNA platform allows to address many of these gene mutations by simply replacing the mRNA within the drug product. 
And this is exactly what we are doing with ETH 43 and 44. So we intend to move these programs forward then following initial uh, confirmation of safety and target engagement with uh, 42. And what's the development path forward? Yeah, so um, we are currently preparing for uh, initiation of our first uh, phase one clinical trial, which we um, plan to start uh, this year. And this first trial will be investigating the safety and tolerability of ETH 42 in people with uh, PCD based on CCDC40 mutations. We are, will also aim at collecting information on target protein production and uh, potential improvement of ciliary function in the uh, study participants. And if these results are supportive, then uh, this first trial will be followed by larger phase two and clinical trials that then would aim at dose selection and demonstrating um, safety and efficacy of uh, ETH 42. You, you talked a little about the the partnering you're doing earlier. I, I did want to touch on uh, a collaboration you're doing with Diosynvax and the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. This is an effort to develop a broadly protective coronavirus vaccine. What, what does each of the parties in the partnership bring to the collaboration? Yeah, we, we are um, thankful for the fruitful ongoing partnership we have with uh, Diosynvax and also the initial funding that we receive from the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness uh, uh, Innovations. We have made great progress in, all our, in our collaboration with uh, Diosynvax, including uh, recently being published in, uh, in Nature. It's clear that the technology we bring to partnerships is quite attractive for uh, vaccine companies. So Athris is contributing its SNM RNA and SNAP LMP and stabilizing formulation technologies. Furthermore, with our uh, suite of platform technologies, we are designing and manufacturing the mRNA vaccine candidates containing Diosynvax's broadly protective antigen payloads. Diosynvax is contributing its novel computational design-based multivirus vaccine antigen payload technology. And the fact that um, we at Athris can provide really the full suite of mRNA and LMP technology as well as IP in-house not only made uh, us an attractive partner for Diosynvax, but makes us attractive for other vaccine players interested in the mRNA space. And given that this is intended to be a, a broadly protective vaccine, is the expectation that this would work against all strains of COVID-19 as it evolved? Yes, this is correct. Uh, based on the novel computational antigen design, we aim at the development of a vaccine candidate that is broadly effective against different variants of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The company raised $26.3 in a Series B venture round in February 2022. Have you been able to get additional financing through partnerships? And how far will existing funding take you? And what's the plan for raising additional capital? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, as a private company, we have been fortunate to find successful partners to uh, to build with uh, through not only Series B investment led by Laureus Capital that has been a great partner to us, but also through capital we received from partnerships like uh, Zipla, which is the largest, uh, third largest pharma company in India with a strong respiratory medicine uh, franchise. So we, we are now progressing meetings with uh, new partners and investors at the upcoming JP Morgan conference next week. So stay tuned as we will have more to talk about probably after JPM and in the, uh, in the coming month. Thomas Langenickel, Chief Medical Officer of Ethris. Thomas, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks a lot, Danny. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.